When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike says she is struggling with her place in the motorcycle community. Well, she says she hasn't peaked yet, but she's having a little epiphany. Okay. Oh, that maybe life itself is the peak. Hmm, interesting. In my experience, I found that... So I just translate. Not allowed to have opinions. Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. I'm just a highway troubadour Singing songs from door to door Keeps me going Sun. Branches reaching for the sun I shall be on my tongue Ain't no substitute I'm just tripping on my roots There ain't no substitute I'm just tripping on my roots I'm Jesse Colin Young, and this is Trippin' on My Roots. Today's guest is Steve Miller. Steve and I came up in the rock world together in the 60s, and in the fall of 2019, I asked him to join me on a re-recording of Get Together to celebrate the song's 50th anniversary. We sat down together and talked about how that came about. Well, uh, Jesse um, has... Uh become a really good friend we've run run into each other in in new york and we we got we played to, together in hawaii we got to time. yeah we got when to, norton was still alive yep yeah, we got to to uh spend time together and um we the last time we got together what was it you you were in new york what were we doing i can't remember but anyway we ended up having dinner and then we ended up coming over to my house and hanging out and we just uh you know, renewed our, our 
our friendship. And then um, as soon as I heard his band, I just really started paying a lot, a lot of attention. And we'd email back and forth. And and um, I just I loved the the new work. And he came. Uh, when you came over to my house, mm -hmm. you sang some of your new songs, and I was knocked out. I just thought, man, this is so great. You were, it was real, really inspiring. And so I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I just kept hanging on and nagging him and going, what are you doing? When are you coming to the city? When are you going to be? When are you going to be? <laughs> we then, cut the track yeah. in, uh, in Nashville for Get Together when the band was still together. Yeah. Um, uh, and... I think six months later, when I was with you, I said, um, "You want to you want to sing on Get Together?" <laughs> and he said, "I'm in." Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, no doubt. So we did just that. We had a great time recording Get Together, and at the end of the episode, you'll hear this special version of the song, benefiting Why Hunger. But first. Steve and I sat down together and reminisced about old times in Greenwich Village, all the way back to playing shows at the Café Gogo. Yeah, this would be 1968. Yeah, so. And uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears was being formed there. Mm -hmm. And um, we, you know, it was, uh, we played there on the way out of the country when we went to make our first album in London at Olympic Studios in 67 we played mm -hmm. there and then when we came back we we played and we dropped in again and that was uh, <laughs> uh, it was really was a Howard fun place. Solomon still? Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and um yeah it was uh it was really cool I was I was uh, I was really knocked out you know with blood sweat and tears with uh that band, I thought, wow, what a great idea that was, you know. So it, w it was really important part of the scene for us to, to play at the Cafe Gogo. And had to get a cabaret card, mm. you know, and there was all that, that New York City Union bad boy musician penalty stuff you had to pay for being a, a, a musician. You know, the trouble with you people, you know, is you need to buy a card and we we're going to watch you real close. So I think it was 65 for me. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the Blues Project was... Yeah, Danny Calvin. Yeah. yeah. And Al Cooper. Yeah. Well, Al, was, he put Blood, Sweat, and Tears together. Yeah. First, the first time I, I played in New York, I, it was 1965, and I played at the phone booth where the Rascals played. Yeah. And the Young Rascals were just winding up, and Barry Goldberg and I had this band called the Goldberg Miller Blues Band, and we were on Hullabaloo with the Supremes and the Four Tops, 1965. Mm -hmm. You were in town doing some stuff. Dylan was around. The Love and Spoonful were around, and we were playing in New York City at the phone booth, which was this hilarious kind of mafia society nightclub. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> I mean, the, the things they did to people. I remember New Year's Eve at, at the phone booth. All of a sudden, all the tables were removed and they brought in these tables that were like this wide. They were like maybe 14 inches wide and they just filled the place with tables. And then they had 
plates that were like this big and they'd been selling this special New Year's Eve package, drink, turkey dinner, all all the fixings and everything. And the show started at six o'clock at night or something and lasted 45 minutes. And, and you know, we didn't, we didn't know, you know. So we go to play the first set. And I mean, we played like 30 minutes and they turned on all the lights and they threw everybody out and the crowd was like, you know, some guy wanted to beat me up, you know, and they had, they had a bouncer who looked like Cesar Romero in his tuxedos. The difference between the Chicago mafia and the New York mafia was definitely the New York guys were a lot classier and the Cesar, like in Chicago, they'd break your thighs with a baseball bat. I worked in a lot of mafia nightclubs in Chicago, of course. And and the New York clubs, they just come over and like grab you like this, and you pass out. <laughs> I saw just like put this. <laughs> just so for me, it was the go go. Uh, yeah. And the it's funny we're um, we're two blocks from my house, where I lived on Houston Street, and we were there opening for nine months with whoever was there and we uh, kind of traded off with the blues project but we got to rehearse oh uh, well yeah on the stage it was a great thing if you had a gig and a piano probably uh, it was know, wonderful you, well but stage, i was using the Wurlitzer. but yeah. um so one day i walked over there on a sunday afternoon and i was thinking it's going to be dark i'm gonna call up the guys and we're going to rehearse so i walked down the stairs you know it was two two flights Two flights. <laughs> yeah, down there. Really down there. Yeah. And uh, I, I heard some music. I said, shit. Um, <laughs> but I got, I got another half, uh, half of the way down, and Buzzy Lenhart was on stage. Yeah. I had seen him playing vibes with Tim Harden at the Night Owl oh, back in '65, but yeah. I didn't know he was a singer. Yeah. And um, he was singing "Get Together." Uh-huh. And my jaw dropped open. Yeah. And I stood there and uh I you know, I felt my life change. What's that kind of song? Yes. I these doors like swung open and there was a big arrow that was blinking and said <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I ran yeah, that's so great that you 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 know, you were receptive to yeah. that, you know, and your recording of it, you know, the Youngbloods, I mean, you guys were one of my favorite bands in San Francisco. We did play some gigs together, and, and yeah. I remember you got, you guys were way ahead of us. You had all these classy houses out in San Rafael or, or San, Ross, California or something. There was some... Yeah, Banana lives in Ross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, Banana, when he opened up the music store, I got my synth from uh, Banana. And that ended up in the Met at the Play It Loud show last last uh, April. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went over and I said to Banana, and I said, listen, man, <clears throat> I need a synth, and it needs to be the dumbest, simplest one, one no keyboard player would ever want. I said, I want it to have a wind button on it. I want it to have an oboe button. I want it to, and he sold me this little roll and sent 2000 for I think it was 180 bucks, and everything on Fly Like an Eagle I did on, with that, that synth through an Echo Plex. <laughs> and, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't want, like, uh, my keyboard guys, they were just too finicky. They could never duplicate the same sound. They, you know, they were always like, you know, everything they did sounded like a carburetor being 
tuned underwater or something, you know. And so I just, and Banana straightened me all out, man. And I took that thing home that day and did the intro uh, to Fly Like an Eagle. Steve then asked me what drove me out of New York City. We both ended up living in San Francisco, so it was fun remembering those days together. Well, I grew up here, um, uh, and after six years on the Lower East Side, um, I don't know, they sent us to play in San Francisco on uh, uh, July, June 15th, 1967. And I walked into this uh, cheap motel room there on Geary Street, mm -hmm. And I, I turned on the little radio. I know that motel, yeah. <laughs> Across from Tommy's joint. Yeah, yeah, Tommy's and, uh, joint, yeah. I turned on a little radio, and Get Together was on the radio. And uh, but, hey, this we didn't good. know this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then we, uh, we we were playing, you know, at the, the go-go, the 40 people, and we, then we went down to... Um, exactly. So what's That's the, the real point. The Avalon. Yeah, and you know there were three or four hundred people there, and uh, and they loved us, and they were all going like this. Yeah, you know, it was so great, <laughs> it was so great to get out of nightclubs uh, and away from the mafia. And I mean, you know, like where I was playing, the police were on the take, the mafia was on the take, the nightclub owners <laughs> were all gangsters, you know, and. You could you'd go out to California, and you could make like five hundred dollars in a night. Instead of, you know, in a month. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the Family Dog and, and the Fillmore and the Straight Theater and all this stuff. And you guys, I thought you guys were had been there forever. You know, <laughs> I showed up in 67. And, I mean, you guys were just so in the center of the scene and you were playing all the festivals. You were everywhere. That was Get Together. Yeah. Because uh, it was a hit that year, but yeah. only... Only in San Francisco and Seattle. Well, you know, they were ahead of, ahead of the yeah. times, you know, but you guys were a great band. You were one of my very favorite bands. Jesse was always been relevant, you know, and the, the band that he had was a great band. It was one of the best bands in San Francisco. And um, so it's, it's, it's surprising because, you, you know, Nobody thought that we would be, you know, no one thought that they could have a, a career that lasted longer than maybe four or five years max, you know, or something like that. And when we started, I mean, when, when I started having hits and everything, the next thing I did was I did every gig there was that was offered to me until I played a gig where there were 40,000 people and I was angry because there were only 40,000 people there instead of 70. And I remember walking off the stage going, I don't care if I ever do this again in my life. <laughs> you know, kind of, duh, you know, but we just worked ourselves to death, you know. But I always wanted to do this all my life. And when I was little, Les Paul was my godfather. And I saw, got to see Les Paul play a lot of music in the 40s, you know, in Milwaukee. before. Mm -hmm. And he and Les and Mary were married at our house had their honeymoon at our, our house and wow. and then went on to New York to do their radio show and their TV show. So I saw Les and Les was like miles ahead of everybody. You know, he was like inventing stuff. He had a television show. He'd had like 20 hits. He had a real career. It just went on and on and on. So I started thinking like that, you know. Hmm. And then I started looking at people like Bing Crosby and Bob Hope and I was kind of going like, 
I, I thought Boz and I can be Bing and Bob. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like you and I are now. <laughs> okay. Bing and Bob. You know, and, and I thought, but you know, they're around forever. They they get they're still working. They still do what they want to do. So I always wanted to be a musician. And I always wanted to make records, and when I got to make records, that was the biggest thrill of my life. It was like the studio became an instrument in itself, and I really, you know, loved it. And uh, as time went on, I still didn't know until, you know, I was in my 40s that it could really, really, really just run, you know. Right. Really, when it, when it did was like after, oh, I think 1982, 83... I sort of felt like, you know, people were going like, why don't these dinosaur rock bands leave? And it was all Johnny Rotten and punk music. And, you know, they were really just trying to kick us off the stage. So I, I went from playing football stadiums to kind of going like, I think I'll retire. And, you know, and I bought a boat and I went up to Seattle. And I started doing the Inside Passage and I did that for six years. Just had this great time. And then all of a sudden, everybody was real tired of punk music and classic rock radio is back. And I had this album that had been in the chart for five years that I didn't even think about. And boom, I went back out to tour. And next thing I knew, I was playing in, in sheds again, yeah. you know, sold out sheds. I tried to avoid it. Um, yeah. I think maybe it's because my... You were smart. You got, you got your... My you, dad... <clears throat> You know, my dad went to Harvard, and the only musician we had in the family was a drunk piano player. He was a third cousin, so they were looking at me like, music is fun, and it's great. They made, he probably made him get a cabaret card just to come to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> no. a drunk cousin of yours. No, but he was, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, funny. He was always, my dad was always there, even though when I got kicked out of prep school for playing the guitar... And he had to come get me and all my shit. You know, so kicked out of prep school. It's my senior year, two two months before graduation. Oh, for playing the guitar at the wrong time. Ow! Um, wow, that's horrible. And then yeah, I got and kicked out of prep school When I too. came home from uh, when I came home from Ohio State one summer, and said, "Dad, could I uh, could I study the blues?" this summer and not get a job washing dishes and that was a real stretch for him but he let me I mean without a without whining or saying what are you crazy you know this this is really <laughs> funny I had no idea I didn't know any of this like I got kicked out of prep school at the end of my junior year I've since been made a distinguished alumni of that prep school <laughs> they, they have they've welcomed me back with with uh, open arms but I had a meeting. I went to the University of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm having this meeting with my parents, mom and dad. My dad was a doctor. He was a pathologist. And they're going, well, Steve, what are you going to do? You know, what are you, what are you going to do? You know, they're looking at, you know, it's like four years and I'm like 12 credits short. You know, <laughs> I've been playing in a band the whole time. And I looked at my parents and I said, well... I want to go to Chicago and play blues, <laughs> and which is, you know, like, I want to go to Chicago and work in a mafia nightclub with gangsters. And uh, my father, I always say, if he had had a two-by-four, he would have hit me with it, you know, he would have given me a big pop. And my mom looked at me, and she said, you know what? She said, you're 
just 20 years old and mm -hmm. you know you're you're you don't have any real heavy responsibility she said why don't you go see if you can make it here's a hundred bucks leave tomorrow she gave me a hundred bucks the green card and boop i was gone and never looked back it had been a long long day of recording so eventually we had to call it a night well, I want to thank what you for, for inviting me. It's been it's such a pleasure to do anything with you, man. And, you know, just to be a little bit, a little part of this really means a lot to me. So thank you. It's Justin. wonderful, man. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's great. I loved it. Me too. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Trippin' on My Roots. Follow us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts to listen to the latest episodes. I'm Jesse Colin Young. Keep on trippin', y'all. Explore today's must-have trends and innovative styles at Mrs. B's Clearance and Outlet. Shop one-of-a-kind finds in today's must-have trends. Explore wall-to-wall deals, furniture, flooring, mattresses, home accents, seasonal favorites, and more. Discover unique new home decor, pillows, accessories, and more. There's something perfect for your style and budget. There's new inventory every day at up to 80% off suggested retail. Discover the style and savings of Mrs. B's Clearance and Outlet. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 